Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. You're going to try to tell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Were your parents morons too? Savvy entrepreneur to the rescue! Congratulations, that really turned out well. I'm really good job. I'm really, really, I'm really. You know, I wish I'd thought of that. I never thought anyone would. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Hello out there, all you entrepreneurs and small business people. You are listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. We're broadcasting here on WLCB 101.5 from the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. The show has two goals. First, to share helpful information and resources. I've been an entrepreneur. I've counseled entrepreneurs. I have lots of friends who are entrepreneurs. I have made so many mistakes. I've seen a lot of mistakes. And so if I can help just one of you entrepreneurs out there not to make some of the mistakes I've made or seen, then I've been successful. The second goal is to inspire. I found being an entrepreneur confusing and often lonely. You often have no idea if you're on the right track or not or where to turn for good advice. So to help with both of those goals, I have guests on the show every week who are willing to share their stories and advice. And this week's guest is Amy Kessler. She is the CEO and self-proclaimed Chief Crisper of Carolyn's Crisps, who joins me this week to talk about her journey as an entrepreneur. Amy, thanks so much for being on the show today. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Tell people a little bit about yourself, who you are as a person and your background. You know, what makes you tick? Yeah, um, so I guess funny enough, my background is not in food at all, even though now I am running a CPG company. Um, My background is really for most of my career been based in kind of the creative arts. So graphic design, art direction, even since sustainable fashion design, fashion styling have been a few different paths that I've gone in my career. Um, That's amazing. So obviously you're a very creative person for sure that. Yeah. It's like, and so I guess, so yeah, what always, you know, has made me tick and anything I've done or, yeah, kind of pursued is this idea of, you know, one, the creativity and like you can, the ideas and kind of unique projects you can come up with, but also connection and really connecting people through art and design, you know, through whatever means that is and how you can really impact someone, even just down to like a small kind of touch point on the, like on a daily basis or, um, maybe like a bigger art installation where people can connect with other people. But at that theme, like connection has truly been in everything I've done, which has really driven uh, my like current pursuit with Carolyn's Crest. Well, and I have to say, given what you've told me and the fact that you've made the leap into a totally different area and all the different things you've done on the creative side tells me you are almost certainly a lifelong learner. You're somebody who just wants to keep 
keep your brain engaged and keep tackling new things and learning new things. You, you just don't strike me, even in the little bit of time we've chatted, you don't strike me as somebody who's very happy just doing one thing, you know, cranking out uh, a certain kind of graphic, for example. Yeah, that, <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> um, that is a good, yeah, that's a great way to put it. I really, and I do, I've always kind of thrived I say in a little bit of chaos sometimes, <laughs> but yeah, the idea of every day being different and, you know, constantly learning new things and being able to just add to my toolbox and apply that in different ways is, is very important to me. And ha yeah, it has been for, you know, as long as I can remember. Well, I think that's a common theme that I've heard in talking with dozens and dozens and dozens of entrepreneurs for the show and just chatting and networking with people for potential guests on the show is almost to a person they just really relish the the thought that i don't know anything about that i'm going to learn about that and that's not everybody you know it's interesting i'm i've been a score mentor score is part of the small business administration and it's a great resource for people who are thinking about being an entrepreneur or starting their own business but i had a number of people who wanted to start their own business but i i think they were if they could look in the mirror and really be honest they were pretty happy just having things laid out for them and doing the same thing. And I think what you're suggesting is a theme that I've, I've seen from lots of entrepreneurs, certainly the most successful ones is, you know, somebody says, well, I, I don't know anything about legally setting up a company. I guess I'll go find that out, you know, and <laughs> kind of relish that whole piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really... You know, it is really true. Like, and even, I guess, in any of the, like, I guess, company-based positions that I have had, every single one of those has been with a startup. So, like, a young company where I could actually come in and learn an industry and really dig in and, you know, figure out ways to improve things or do things in a new way. Or I was, like, maybe in a, like, at one point in my life in a larger corporation, but it was still almost like a smaller startup ent entity within that. And that's what drew me to that position initially. Yeah. So yeah, if I'm looking back, like that is so true of the, the learning and, you know, kind of wearing a lot of hats and being able to experiment. I think that's a really big part of it too, which kind and, of and even things. make mistakes and maybe not be so good at certain things, but be yeah. comfortable with that too. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Well, you're the chief crisper. What are you the chief crisper of, Amy? So Carolyn's Crisps is my company, and it's based on a third-generation family recipe, Carolyn. That was my grandma. Um, and our goal is to really reinvent how you snack with our 100% plant-based and 100% ridiculously addictive cookie crackers. Why is it plant-based? Why is that important? So my goal, kind of back to even connection and inclusivity. Um, so like initially, you know, Carolyn, Granny, she didn't make them plant-based, but, you know, as we're learning like sustainability-wise and even just uh, like dietary-wise, you know, a lot of 
people are shifting that way, myself included. And I really wanted to make something that was good for the environment and good for, you know, everyone. And to even kind of prove that you can have something plant-based and it to be extremely delicious and enjoyable. And I think one of the things I love is when people try our snacks and they're like, neat, like these are, this is a plant-based snack. Like you would never know. And I kind of, I love that because I think it slowly does really change the opinion of what plant-based food is. Cause I think, you know, in the past, it's kind of gotten a bad rap sometimes. If, you well, know, so, so tell people who might not know how plant-based crisps might be different today than the recipe your grandmother originally made. So we use plant-based cheese and it's a coconut-based uh, cheese that we use actually in all of our flavors, our sweet and our savory. And then shifting from your traditional dairy butter to plant-based butter because there are so many more options today you know than there were years ago okay you have to fill me in what is plant-based butter so it's made of a very like a variety of plant oils so think like ours is specifically with a focus on avocado oil some can have sunflower oil sometimes you know sometimes you'll see canola oil oh i see what what made you want to start this business? I mean, lots of us have favorite cookie or pies or cakes or whatever recipes that our grandmother or somebody in our family makes that we celebrate at a certain time of the year or a certain holiday or whenever we get together. What made you want to take this product and turn it into a business? Yeah, so it kind of happened by accident. <laughs> when I first started making them, I was I was living in Wisconsin and like I needed a snack for a potluck. And I was talking to my mom. She was like, "Oh, you should take the crisps that Granny used to make. Like, you know, it's a good, it's a great potluck, and everyone really loves them." And I was like, "Yeah, that's a good idea." And so I made them and. Honestly, everyone was like floored by them. And it was so funny because, you know, you grow up with something you're like, I loved it, but you just didn't expect how much other people would love it. Right. And this was before they were plant-based. So this is kind of like the beginning, beginning years ago. And I was making them and I was selling them in mason jars at the time. Uh, even did like some, like I was out in my kitchen, but did some corporate gifts for like a friend there. I was a, a part of a ton of art shows. At one point I didn't have time to make a piece of art, but I had enough time to bake the crisps. And so I was <laughs> selling them as like art is like food is art, right? Yeah. Why? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I sold more from that one event than like I had sold from my art, <laughs> like at that point in time. Well, it's exciting, but also a little depressing but (laughs) but like maybe there's something here you know yeah so I like long story short I moved back to Chicago because I'd lived here before and kind of just like missed the area and you know I was experimenting with my own plant-based and kind of gluten-free diet uh, exploration and I was like I really want to try to make these to include what I can eat but also others and then I took them to friends who had had them before when they were the original and 
granny i love you for like i'm sorry for saying this but like i had friends i didn't tell them they're like i don't know what you did but they're kind of better and i was like oh really so the name carolyn's crisp right is that's your grandmother's name carolyn yep mm-hmm. did carolyn's crisps exist as a company when you were making them with the traditional recipe and kind of doing this as a side hustle I used to call them Kessler crisps because my uh, last name is Kessler, but Carolyn was not a Kessler, you know? So I had to, I wanted to get her name in it and really pay that like homage to her. So that was when I changed the name in the last few years. At what point did you decide enough experimentation? Let's see if I can make a business out of this. It was so fast like it wasn't i'm not kidding probably a weekend of me taking this new (laughs) recipe to my friends it was during the pandemic we drove to new york state because none of us no one had been out of you know traveled in a really long time and that weekend like talked about the crisps the entire weekend i was like great i'm gonna do it like but it's now's the time (laughs) and so i have experience doing websites and obviously the like marketing, design, branding. And so I came back from that trip and within a week I had a website up and was looking for a place to make these and being able to hopefully take this to a, you know, more of a public scale than just throwing it out of my house. How did you go about doing that? You can make a certain amount of crisp in your kitchen, but I guess it depends on where you want to sell them because there are, I'm sure, regulatory requirements Certain, I, I don't I don't really know what those requirements are, but I'm guessing there are some depending on where you sell it or how you sell it. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to do wholesale or really go to grocery stores or specialty markets, anything like that, you really do have to work out of a, a commercial kitchen. There is a cottage food ball in Illinois that I my, I could be a little wrong. Like, I think this is a change in the pandemic was they opened it up a little bit more because so many people were needing to sell and bake and make money um, if they had any loss during well, COVID. It, there's also um, people that bring things to the farmer's markets, and I'm guessing that not all of them at that sort of that kind of venue and the small quantities, I'm guessing not all of them are producing in a commercial kitchen either. I, I'm i not fully sure like right now where everything is at, but there definitely was a point where the cottage food law said you could work out of your house, you could sell them, you can't sell online, you couldn't sell like across state lines. Uh, um, uh. It had to be like in person. Um, and at that point, maybe some markets were allowing it. I think as far as I know now, everything does have to be produced like we're going to be at the wicker park farmers market which is one of the markets in chicago and we had to you know say that we were working out of a commercial kitchen so uh, i i don't know if it might vary just as well i have so, yeah. to, i'll have to go this summer when i go to the farmers markets i'll have to chat up some of the people you know the cheese and the honey people and and the jelly people and and ask them that's being interesting I don't want to put them on the spot, but it'd be fun to just kind of chat chat them up and learn a little bit about what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Why were you convinced that you could 
make this yourself. I mean, a lot of people would probably say, I got a great product. I'm going to see if I can find somebody to make it for me. But not you, Amy. Why did you choose to find a way to make it yourself? I guess I felt as if I grew up with these. They were just so close to me that I know them in and out from making them and even just testing with the recipes that it felt right to just keep kind of them in-house, I guess you could say, that production. And, you know, I think there is also some scaling. There's like some in-between steps. Some people could go right to someone else trying to make them, but I really wanted to know like what that process looks like. And as we scale, it has been super beneficial to see, you know, where some of our pain points are with production and how much equipment can help and how much more hands can help in a kitchen. Really, like it helps even with business decisions, knowing the ins and outs of, you know, like if the we grate our cheese. So I just bought a very large industrial cheese grater, which is a huge help. But like the idea, <laughs> <laughs> the idea of like the shreds of that, depending on how long they are, how thick they are, it really changes the baking. So to just oh, like really quickly go ahead and give that to someone else is, it would be sacrificing like quality and. I wasn't ready ready to do that. Well, where do you currently market and sell your products? I mean, we do sell online on our website, carolynschrist.com. And then we are in all of the Chicago Foxtrots. They have 13 locations, soon to be 15. And a few smaller retailers, um, Andale Market and Andersonville. Urban Market is a new grocery store in River West. And then um, Here Here Market is an online retailer that really focuses on, uh, they do some cool gift baskets and different pairings. Um, oh, well, and you, you mentioned you're still doing things like farmer's markets too. Yeah, yeah. So last year, um, by the time I applied to get into a kitchen and got everything kind of up and running, it wasn't until June of last year. So we were a little late for a consistent farmer's market. So this year we were able to apply a little sooner and actually, you know, have a consistent location and not have to quite be bouncing around as much. Well, I'm sure that will be a lot of fun because I'm sure it's rewarding to see people order online and to see them in stores, but I'm sure actually handing people Tons and tons of people across been getting their reaction and seeing the smile on their face. It's got to be a lot of fun. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it's like, it really is makes my day. And to be able to have that face-to-face time with customers is definitely probably one of my favorite parts. You mentioned you found a space. Talk about how you found your space. So we work at the Hatchery, which is in East Garfield Park in Chicago. And honestly, I found them through Googling and looking at commercial kitchens in Chicago. And they have a wonderful program. It's an incubator program that I got into. And the whole, you know, the idea behind it is they really help brands who are new to market. They really help you take those steps to set yourself up and are fantastic with connecting you, you know, I, if I have a question, they are so quick to help and point you in the right direction to find an answer. So that's been really, really pivotal for us to 
have that at our fingertips. They focus on just food and beverage, right? Correct. Yeah. And there's a, there's a whole mix of us. Some of us are CPG focused. Um, some people are more, um, catering and like, you know, kind of ghost restaurant type style. There's a little bit of everything, but yeah, everything is food and beverage based. And how did you find funding for all this? Currently we are self-funded. Um, I knew I wanted to start something and for a while I wasn't sure how or what, you know, like I, the Chris had always kind of been there for a while, but I, they weren't solidified yet. And so I had a little bit of savings and, and then right now, you know, family investment. What have you learned so far in terms of building the business? I mean, what kind of roadblocks or bumps that weren't expected have you been dealing with? I mean, I like to say every day is a little bit of like a new challenge, which is (laughs) (laughs) so diplomatically put, (laughs) you know, it's, I heard somebody say on, um, another podcast, you know, it's really being an entrepreneur is about the daily problem solving. And that couldn't be more true. I mean, we definitely had some struggles with some of our ingredients, like sourcing the larger amounts, especially with, you know, supply chain issues. But I think really what is the learning for me or just, I don't know if I call them roadblocks, but yeah, it's like the learnings and the problem solving is as you grow, you know, you really like me trying to figure out how much flour I need. Like we buy 55 pound bags now before I was not doing that. The Uh idea of finding your different distributors and how important that is and getting in with them as like a small company because, you know, distributors, they don't want to take a big risk on small companies all the time. So I think it's just like the constant of like needing to ask questions, but also like for follow-ups, like it's okay to keep following up with people if you don't hear back from them right away and learning as I go, I guess. Being persistent, it sounds like is a key thing that most entrepreneurs have to deal with Mm -hmm. yeah and like I'm such a (laughs) I'm such a yes person to the point of like I'm very much like yes and let's figure it out and that has been great because we've had so many opportunities we've done some really cool kind of different partnerships even launching a foxtrot in January was huge for us there's always like a little bit of like, oh gosh, how are we going to do this? <laughs> like, well, I was I was part. wondering if that yes mentality has gotten you in trouble a, a time or two. Knock on wood, not quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. You mentioned the hatchery. Have there been other sources of resources that you've tapped into that have been helpful along the way? Yeah, the hatchery has been amazing. They, even just other entrepreneurs I've met along the way, I always think like community is amazing in itself. Even from friends who have, you know, relatives that are in the food and beverage industry or friends of friends of friends. I feel like I have been so lucky to have other people that are like willing to make connections with people they know that might be able to help. And and then those people have just been so wonderful to talk to, you know, whether it is like some funding questions or, you know, new hire and 
setting our business up for success. I'm constantly shocked at the people the like, you know, whatever, six degrees of separation that comes and how that has really been just kind of pivotal to needing advice and getting some insights on areas that I, you know, prior to this didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's part of, I think, the entrepreneurial journey. I don't care how smart you are or how many different things you've done. There will be aspects of running and growing a business that you don't know about. And so you either have to learn or you have to find somebody else to help you who has some of those skills, right? Yeah. And I, what I've also learned is every company is so different. You can ask the same question to, you know, 10 different people. You might get 10 different answers of how they handled it. But a lot of it too is really taking what I'm learning and hearing and applying it in, to what I think is best for our company. Yeah. And it might not be exactly how someone else did it, but it's like where we're at and what we can do. And this is what feels the best. Yeah. Well, talk about how your business has grown since you had that fateful trip to New York. Mm, yeah, it's, I mean, it's been great. Like, I think, as I mentioned, I mean, we launched less than a year ago. So, and with that, you know, we've been like mainly Illinois retailers, but, you know, quite all of those Fox chats, um, our online sales are constantly growing. Like, I love the creative partnerships we've gotten to do with Pretty Cool Ice Cream last summer, which is a local ice cream shop. They featured our crisps in one of their ice cream bars. Oh, um, how cool. Yeah. And then in, actually coming up, we will be in Pop-Up Grocer in their new DC location. They're a really, really cool concept. Um, the whole idea was to pop up all like in different cities where smaller brands, you know, can't normally might not have that like footprint quite yet. And so they're really bringing these small, less distributed brands to special pop-ups that they do and they're month long. And um, so we'll be in the East coast for the first time, which is pretty awesome. I'm from the East coast. So I'm really excited about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. So what is this concept? I've not heard of it. Do they pop up on, on the corners of places or in parking lots or, or what? <laughs> They actually get, um, they will rent a space for a month. So, oh, kind of like the old Harry and David would have a pop up at Christmas, New Year's time to sell their pears and things. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, they would take an empty storefront and activate it with the grocery store. Oh, how do they decide what kind of brands to carry? Because my guess is there's a bazillion out there that would love to be featured. Yeah, there's, um, so you can apply through their website. They sometimes will have an open call for brands depending on the city. Those are like the main two ways to kind of get in touch with them. Well, congrats on being selected to be part of that. That's really exciting. Thank you. What do you see as the future for the business? I mean, where do you see Carolyn's Crisps and say, a couple of years if you're successful. Well, my ideal would to be distributed in lots of grocery stores all over the country and beyond, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, really like larger scale production and just larger distribution. 
So what steps need to happen in order for that to become a reality? I really, you know, it really is looking at your, like our production improvements and just how we can position ourselves better for retail. You know, we actually just got our own private kitchen, uh, which is really exciting, but, you know, kind of figuring out what the machinery might look like for that, the manpower, woman power, if you will, how we can constantly kind of up our ante on the quantities we're producing. Well, you, you mentioned a private kitchen. Is that at the hatchery or the hatchery really only supports small scale production? So it's, it's a little bit of both. We started in the, the shared kitchen, which you rent by the hour and you have to book it on a, an online system, but then they also have various sizes of private kitchens that allow, um, uh, it's almost like a lease agreement you have with them. Ah, but when you reach a certain size, do you have you kind of outgrown the hatchery or are there some businesses there who produce pretty significant scale of product? Um, I mean, for like a, like a CPG company like ours, moving to a larger facility will definitely be in the cards at some point, I guess, because once you start getting larger, you know, equipment and just needing that space, the, the largest kitchen here, I don't think would hold that for us. Oh, well, talk about some of the other aspects. You mentioned the private kitchen. What are some of the other aspects of the business that you need to probably rethink or re-engineer to be able to start producing at the scale you'd like? Yeah, so everything we do is hand-shaped, hand-forked. We do those very traditional kind of like, if you think about like a peanut butter cookie that maybe you made with your grandma we do like one forking way for our crisps. So trying to figure out a way to just speed that up, to be honest. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a combination of equipment and then more more hands helping to get those cookie crackers in the oven too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. I guess I sort of thought, oh, there must be equipment ready made out there, but there may not be, right? At the moment, we are doing our research. So (laughs) TBD. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. And then the hiring process, um, that sometimes has some challenges of its own. Talk about your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, I mean, right now, you know, we really, you know, I have people coming in and out. But yeah, I think really starting, that is another big goal in the next few months is finding kind of consistent hands-on help to be in the kitchen and even, you know, someone to help manage the production is going to be huge. Um, Another, another great thing about the hatchery is that they also provide support in that aspect of, you know, kind of the search and there's some great organizations they work with that are also nonprofits that help hire, you know, locally and in the area. So we're working with them to make that happen as well. Wow, that is a great asset. You know, you said you sell online and I'm sure your sales are increasing. You make that sound like that's just no big deal. Oh, I created a website. Oh, we've got e-commerce. But a lot of businesses really struggle with that. Has that been a challenge for you? Or if not, what do you attribute your success to? I think it's just I'm constantly learning about 
ways to optimize and ways to reach those customers, you know, from our email marketing, um, social media, and how that all plays into ordering through our website. And even, you know, I guess, you know, when we're sending things out, how to, what is like top of mind and what's the action step? I think my background in marketing has helped that a lot, but it's almost, I guess if you look at it kind of as a little bit of a game to be like, okay, if I do this, how much will this help? Or where are we seeing this lift? And how are we driving people to that website? So approaching it in that way, it makes it really fun and exciting. And Well, it, it does, although you have to have some, what I call back office things in place. I mean, it's not like you get a bunch of orders and Amy shows up at the kitchen and you know <laughs> stirs a batch of stuff and then you know shoves it in some packaging and hopefully you got some boxes and some tape and it's a, a little more complicated than that is my guess. That's true. I think it's just a lot of I don't know. I always envisioned playing like having this kind of uh, jumping from one step to the other. Like when I was first starting, even of like, okay, great. We're going to open this website. And I think within the first day of ordering, cause I had a, you know, it was a lot of word of mouth that I was restarting Carolyn's Chris, Kessler's, Kessler's Chris as Carolyn's Chris on our website. And we had 50 orders in the first. Yeah. See, that's real nice <laughs> until you're like, uh, I don't even have 50 boxes. Like, what am I going to do? Right. Right. Like, so then you're, I'm like, okay, what do you have to do? It's like that action way of thinking. And you're like, okay, so you, I have to have boxes, you have to have this. And then kind of back to when I was saying about the ingredients, even as you grow, running around to the grocery store, isn't the sustainable way to do that. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I exactly. Probably not. Or running to Staples to get tape for your boxes or any of that kind of stuff. Exactly. So you really have to, you're trying to forecast, you know, the number of boxes you need and what you need. And if you don't have it, how are you going to get it pretty quick? Well, are there services that actually do fulfillment for e-commerce orders? Or do you do all those yourself still? Currently, we do them ourselves. Yeah, there are, you know, we have a UPS pickup right out in the kitchen. So we can literally drop the boxes off back there and they go out the same day. So I, I'm just amazed at how you make it all sound easy. What are your ultimate plans if you have even, have even gotten that far thinking about yeah, what you see for the business and, and the future. I mean, is this a, a, a company that you think is going to expand its product lines and become a, you know, a much bigger food company? Are you thinking you'll be uh, a target for maybe a bigger food company? But what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, I like to call it uh, the crisp empire that we're building. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, really big plans. I I have this vision of, I mean, I say this now, maybe ask me in a few months if I feel the same way, but the idea is really potentially building out a production facility where we can make the crisps very efficiently and quickly, but also I love the idea of have, like creating jobs locally and 
kind of building a facility that has a really great opportunity to give back to the community we're in. Good and yeah, and like, you know, really sure, I mean, maybe down the line, like potentially selling at some point, I know that's hard to say right now. Um, you know, as a woman owned business, if there was a selling opportunity in my heart, I would love it to be a woman owned yeah. company that it goes to. There are certainly lots of different things that could make sense, I guess. Um, you could partner with companies or experiment with different flavors, you know, the the garlic and herb crisp variety. I don't know. I'm just brainstorming here. Yeah, well, we are doing um, an event in June, at the end of June, um, and on the way market in Andersonville, where we're going to have our voting competition for our newest savory flavor so we, have two, oh. we have two sweet flavors right now which is cinnamon sugar maple pecan and then our savory is our cheddar which was granny carolyn's kind of og flavor that i always had growing up oh. so we're gonna have a few different flavors to sample and then everyone that comes it'll be open to the public can vote for their favorite and then we'll launch the winning flavor Fun. You know, looking back on what journey so far, what advice would you give? I mean, to to other women entrepreneurs in particular, what kinds of things would you tell them to think about based on your journey so far? Um, I guess the main thing is that everything takes a little longer than you might think. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, a few things. I think there's something about just doing something and then adjusting as you go. That is a big kind of mantra I live by because it's easy to really see, you know, all these brands that are really well put together and have been around much longer and feel this huge imposter syndrome. But I do think it's important to get something out in the world and test it and then, you know, like, because I have learned so much along the way, even from our flavors or what people think of the texture, um, even just down to like what they think of it from an experiential manner. So, you know, really just kind of going for it and not overthinking it too, too much. Yeah. I think, you know, we were chatting before the show, I was telling you about one of my past clients who had a similar story. He had a uh, recipe from his grandmother for a bun cake and everybody loved the bun cakes and he had different flavors of bun cakes and he had figured out even demographics who liked what kind of bun cakes but he could never stop noodling he just couldn't he couldn't take the next steps to figure out what to do to actually turn it into a business. And I think there's a lot of people out there who are like that. They've got a great idea, but you know, the willingness to just jump in, as you said, and just see what happens, take one step, then take another step is I think a pretty fundamental quality you need to have to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I think you said I made it sound easy. You know, it's, it's not easy. You know, there are very like, lonely times and you're by yourself building this and you're like people think I'm crazy like what am I doing you know like but you really have to believe in it too and 
it's a lot of self-trust to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to do it and we're going to figure it out. Right. <laughs> right. And you know, it's, I found that I needed to kind of shut myself off from certain family members and certain people mm. who were filling my head with too many doubts. Have you had that experience too at times? Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I was working um, as a freelance art director and kind of got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave that position and focus on the Chris full time. And they, yeah, there was definitely questions of like, so you're doing what? <laughs> and like, huh? <laughs> right. And yeah. And there were moments when I was like, oh gosh, am I, should I be doing this? Is this the right thing? <laughs> <laughs> like, I've what if lost it my mind. Never mind. <laughs> like, what if it doesn't work out? But then on the flip side, it's like, what if it does? Yeah. Like, that's, more exciting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you see yourself pitching for funding anytime soon, or are you going to try to remain self-funded? That is in our path to do more of that. Um, I did one kind of the end of last year with the hatchery, which actually helped us get our private kitchen. There was a, a grand prize, and then there was a voting prize for fan favorite. So we got that fan favorite vote which is congratulations pretty... good for you that's great what a good vote of confidence thank you that was really exciting and another learning chapter of pitching and making a deck and getting all of that information together in one place to present so i hope i can do it again soon well but do you see yourself pitching for outside funding anytime soon or still to be determined still to be determined but i yes i am always keeping my eyes open for opportunities like that because as you grow you know the amount of upfront capital grows as well <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure and you know i've talked to a number of entrepreneurs some of whom have taken each path there have been ones who have pitched and gotten outside funding and were able to grow as fast, but that sometimes has some of its own challenges. And then I've talked to lots of entrepreneurs who just continue to bootstrap. You know, you don't grow as fast sometimes and you have to get even more creative sometimes. So I'm not sure there's a right or wrong answer. I think it really depends on the entrepreneur and the business and what your hopes and dreams are. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a great example of kind of what we were talking about earlier was the idea of, you know, you can ask so many different people their advice on that specific, the funding, which I, as a, you know, I've been taking in a lot of just as much information as I can get. And, you know, everyone does it different. And like you yeah. said, you know, there isn't necessarily a right or wrong. It's just the path you choose. Yeah, no, I think that's right. How can people get a hold of your crisps or learn more about your company and your products? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would suggest first to go to carolynscrisps.com. It's C-A- Yeah, sorry. I was just going to ask you to spell it. You beat me to it. <laughs> um, it is carolynscrisps.com and it's 
C A R O L Y N S K R I S P S dot com. And then if you are local in Chicago visiting Foxtrot or Andale Market or Urban Market, and if you're in DC on the East Coast, I would highly suggest, recommend checking out Pop Up Grocer. They will be open starting May 6th until June 6th. That sounds like a wonderful venue. I'm going to look around for that. Are they in the uh, Chicago area yet or just on the East Coast so far? So they did a pop-up in Chicago last summer. um, And I have heard that they're actually opening a brick and mortar location in New York because that's where they are originally based. But they've bopped around. They were in Miami most recently. Check out the website, folks, and look for Carolyn's Crisps in stores near you. Amy, thanks so much for sharing your journey and some insights on being an entrepreneur and just, you know, just the story of your company. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being on The Savvy Entrepreneur. Yeah, thank you so much. I am so honored to be included. Well, I'm honored to have you on the show and uh, definitely need to make a trip to the hatchery one of these days and maybe have a chance to meet you in person and sample one of those yummy crisps. My my stomach is growling as we're talking about these yummy crisps and uh, definitely want to try them soon. Love that. Before we wrap up this week's show, I want to put in a couple of plugs of my own. First, you can find lots of free, helpful information and resources on my consulting website, globalocityservices.com. Check out my site where there are lots of free blogs, tools, ebooks, infographics for inf- uh, entrepreneurs and small business people. You'll also find an archive of all the past Savvy Entrepreneur shows with lots of tips and helpful suggestions from literally dozens and dozens of past guests on the show, all who've been through a journey similar to your own. I've also created a dedicated website for the show, aptly titled thesavvyentrepreneur.org, and I'll be moving more and more content there, so keep an eye out. Finally, check out my new dedicated YouTube channel called The Savvy Entrepreneur Radio Show, where you can listen to and even download past episodes of the show. Listen to some of the past shows, like them, even comment on them, and follow my channel so you'll be sure to catch future shows as they're posted. You'll be supporting the work of The Savvy Entrepreneur and also lots and lots of your fellow entrepreneurs who really will appreciate your help in getting the word out about all the great things they're doing. I'd love to hear from you. I always welcome comments, questions, suggestions. You want to be a guest or you know someone who would be a great guest or you just want to shoot the breeze. Email me at dnagel at n-a-g-e-l at thesavvyentrepreneur.org and you'll always get a response back from me, I promise. Thanks so much for listening this week. Tune in next week at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern Time, where I'll feature another great guest and topic. But until then... I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.